Hello, coffee makers, not coffee takers. He is Dr. Joseph J. Burt Miller Jr. And I am the master of Cyber Farms of Fresno B. Nash Jr. We are the hosts of the Cyber Coffee Hour. We are two experts from Mount Vernon, New York, sharing with you our experiences in this field and also the experiences of others so we can learn, elevate, and ultimately realize that we all belong in this space. The views and opinions and thoughts of the Cyber Coffee Hour are not those of our employers, personal or professional relationships. For today's show, <laughs> we are going to discuss the real world effects of cyber crime. And to help us break it down, we have the security industry specialist, Tammy Allen. How you doing, Tammy? What's up, yeah, fellas? How y'all doing? Hey, how you doing, Joseph? Good, good man. Good, good. <laughs> uh... So as we mentioned, we do have Tammy Allen as part on the uh, Cyber Coffee Hour. Um, now, Tammy Allen is a highly accomplished banking professional specializing in cybersecurity, anti-money laundering, compliance, and fraud prevention. She is a security industry specialist at Amazon Web Services, or AWS. With over 16 years of experience, she holds impressive qualifications, including a Bachelor of Arts in Accounting, a Master of Science in Project Management, and an MBA. Tammy's commitment to personal and professional growth is evident in her pursuit of further education. She is passionate about creating new programs and improving processes that, and actively seeks mentorship opportunities to, to support others in their career development. In addition to her extensive background, Tammy's reputation has been further solidified by her recent appearances as a speaker at BitCon 2023, Black Compute Her, Black Girls and Cyber Refresh, and the National Society of Black Engineers Region 3 Conference. These speaking engagements demonstrate her banking, cybersecurity, and mindfulness expertise, showcasing her multifaceted skill set and thought leadership. Tammy is also dedicated to promoting diversity, inclusion, and belonging, actively participating in initiatives and serving on leadership boards. She is involved in organizing events for business resource groups, and her expertise and cultural awareness have gained recognition. With features in prominent publications like Black and Black Enterprise Magazine and Afrotech, Tammy is known for for her exceptional ability to achieve results and keen perception in identifying outliers and understand, understanding people's true nature. Her energy and approachability have made her a go-to person with an extensive network of connections. She is admired as a workplace archaeologist, adept at uncovering and addressing organizational issues head-on. Tammy is fearless in tackling significant challenges and is recognized as an organizational resuscitator. Her remarkable skills, unwavering determination, and expertise in banking, cybersecurity, and mindfulness have earned her a reputation as a true pace setter in her field. Tammy, welcome to the Cyber Coffee Hour. Thanks. Well, I appreciate it. Every time I hear that, I'm almost like, wow, well, that's me. <laughs> yeah, your pace at. We, we try to keep up with you, Tim. Shit is wild. Well, no, 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 no. And like since then, <laughs> since then, right? Like I'll just I'll add these two little nuggets. Like so, since then, I just landed. I'm gonna be on a panel discussion, um, with the Sands organization bum, bum, in bum, April. Bum, bum. Let's go. Right, right. <laughs> yes. So okay. I just like I yeah I just found out like I just found out it's going to be me and a panel of i think five other black women in cybersecurity. so that's going to be really powerful and nice. i just uh it last month i just started uh, a new volunteer position with um girls in technology so it's like a, a subset of women in technology local to the dmv area and so i'm now the director of communications for them so wow yeah so busy so woman yeah. yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to update the bio again. Right. I was like, "Damn, uh, <laughs> I was just already outdated." But no, no, I appreciate it. Really happy to be here with you, gentlemen, today, so we could talk about, like, you know, cyber crime. I'm with it. Let's go. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So one of the so as we start this discussion, uh, one of the first articles we're going to take a look at, uh, it is titled uh, Cybercrime to Cost the World $9.5 Trillion Annually in 2024. Um, this article comes from cyberventures.com. Uh, the authors are Stephen Morgan. Uh, I'm sorry. The author is uh, Stephen Morgan, editor-in-chief. 
um, I'll just start with a quick excerpt, and then after that, um, I look to you, uh, you two, as we break this down. So, cybercrime is is predicted to cost the world um, 9.5 trillion dollars in 2024, according to Cybersecurity Ventures. If it were measured as a country, cybercrime would be the world's third largest economy after the U.S. and China. Cybercrime costs include damage and destruction of data, stolen money, lost productivity, theft of intellectual property, theft of personal and financial data, embezzlement, fraud, post-attack disruption to the normal course of business, forensic investigation, uh, restoration, and deletion of hacked and deleted systems, reputational harm, legal costs, and potential regulatory fines. I'll um, stop right there so we can kind of digest all that. <laughs> but uh, I guess, T- Tammy, I'll, I'll go to you first. Uh, the the $9.5 trillion, uh, you know, <laughs> what, 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 what alarms are going off in your mind? Okay, so first of all, I don't think many people understand just how large of a number that is. Oh, I don't. I want. I want to understand. It's like we can't even. We can't even process how much money that is. We can't no. because, like, okay. So they said right that if it was a country, it would be third, right? right. As it stands, right. the U.S. GDP is like twenty-seven point three six trillion. Then you memorize right? that. Come on now. No, <laughs> no I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Beyonce said you have to get like you don't get information, you stay information. Anyway. Right, I dig it. I dig it. Okay, sorry. so US, right? Like US is at twenty twenty seven point three six trillion, right? Yeah. Nine point five trillion. And what's it what's so wild is that this number isn't gonna do anything but go up. Right. And so I like the fact that this article talks about the things that some people don't know that goes into like what happens when the cyber they stole your money or they stole like or they stole your data. There is intellectual property that is involved in this. Right. So companies have to pay their lawyers and loss of I think the one thing that stood out for me was like loss of productivity. Right. And so. Right. Within like as a cybersecurity professional, right? Like this this shit is tracked, right? Cybersecurity programs have to know if if some real shit goes down, right? How long will it take for us to fix it, to get back up, how long we're gonna be offline? And then they have numbers like loss of productivity. How many people did it take not only to fix it? right but how many people are out of work and how long did that happen and all of that adds up to money and so for right. me that is the that is the one thing that i think many people outside the industry they don't consider it's always about like well i lost his money it's like no companies like they get the short end of the stick yeah they created a company they took on the risk that's fine but the amount of money that they lose when cybercrime happens is wild it's not just about, okay, how long were they in our system? How much money did they lose? But reputational risk can cost you millions. Thanks right. to regulatory. <laughs> thanks to the regulators. Regulators like, mm, yeah, go ahead and, and drop us 30 million because right. you messed up here. Right. On top of everything else, on top of the additional like audit scrutiny. Right. It's like, oh, you messed up. Yeah, we send in all our people. Let's go. That's time. That's additional money. That's additional effort. And say, hey, you got these, what is it, matters that require attention or matters that require immediate attention? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You ain't got enough people to do that shit? All right, go ahead. Because now you got to hire contractors. You got to hire new people. Like, hey, we have this thing that we have to do for the government. Now we got to hire more people in order to fix it. So yeah, like that, those are the things that stood out to me. I was like, people have no idea just how much that this is costing like these companies. And guess what? That cost isn't just within the company. Don't fuck around and support the company because it's going to trickle down to you. Alfredo. Boom. So I'm just going to let that rock for a minute because I'm going to steal something from Kay's episode from you, Joseph. Tammy, I knew you looked familiar. And I'm going to come in and say, for the part that I didn't know when I met Mm -hmm. Tammy was the forensic investigation. I was not aware of the forensic investigations. I was not, they're using, I'm using the guy that called for the restoration, the deletion, the, the, the uh, reputational harm, let's just say, and bringing the systems back online. So until meeting Tammy, I didn't even, I was oblivious to the forensic investigation piece. And that's going to play into the next segment in a second here. But 
right there with you, Tammy. I when we met, I had no clue organizations had to do that. I had no clue what, where, how, when the operations got stood up. And more importantly, I didn't know that they can send regulators. So for mm-hmm. me and our journey, and we're gonna dive into that when we get to your segment, I did not know literally in the five year span that we've been doing this and further back before getting to where we met, um, I did not know that was the order of operations. We say that a lot, you know, on the tech side, that's our favorite thing. But when something breaks, I that was my first time being, yo, get your stuff together. Come and restore these systems, come find this data. Uh, reputational harm is at stake. You will do this because somebody else has given us an action to do this. So that resonates. And that made me track what I didn't believe existed, cybercrime. For right. years, I didn't believe as a technologist, cybercrime was legit on the docket, or let's just say a line of business in an organization, right? It could impact the line of business. It can impact the reputational, legal, and, you know, the, the how to say, operations of a company's day-to-day. Mm-hmm. So I, for years, right. I just thought that was something I chased in a textbook until I witnessed what happens when one of these organizations are compromised or victimized by cybercrime. Right. So, so looking at this article, it kind of breaks it down to three different categories, maybe three major categories that we're talking about cybercrime. So you have ransomware, crypto crime, and also the the cyber tech services. Look first at ransomware. So cyber criminals will attempt to infiltrate and encrypt corporate networks, demand substantial ransom payments in return for a decryption key, rather than grind operations to a halt uh, for long periods. Some business, some businesses will pay up. Some will succumb to that pressure and, and pay oh, the money. Man. So others may be, may be uh, subject to double extortion uh, tactics in which uh, data is stolen prior to encryption and then set to be released publicly unless the victim capitulates uh, to black men. Um, in, the late, in, the, in the White House National Cybersecurity Strategy, the government reclassified ransomware as the top uh, security threat that requires a comprehensive uh, federal approach in lockstep with our with our international partners to combat um and and get ready for this ransomware will cost its victims around 265 billion dollars annually by 2031 <laughs> up from 42 billion um in 2024 and in 20 billion in 2021 so cybersecurity ventures predicts with a new attack on consumers and organizations occurring every two seconds as ransomware uh, perpetrators progressively refine their malware payloads and related extortion activities. So I'm going to stop there and uh, w- want to hear your thoughts, uh, Tammy. Oh, I was okay. about to take it first, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Because I'm like, I'm going through this and I'm thinking in my head, like how many times? I think that's six times. Like, yes. I think it's going to mm. go up six times. Like, was that increased like 15% or something? Like, like, ridiculous. Um, hmm. The stickler here for me is that people do not know how many companies pay the ransom. Right. And a lot of the companies pay the ransom quietly. You will never, like, you'll have to find and, and scour the earth to say, like, what? Like, they had a ransomware attack and they paid it? Why? Because it's easier for them. There are companies that are big enough that they can take this hit. Where it's kind of like, okay. However, since for me, the theme seems to be the regulatory stuff that comes on the back end that people don't know about. There is... I know, like, for the past few years that FinCEN has been working on things where, like, don't tell me what the regulation is because I can't think about it right now, but they're having discussions because if a company pays ransom to mm-hmm. and comes to find out that those people or that, like, cybercrime group or whoever is, like, especially designated national no no is on like um like the OFAC or the sanctions list if that happens then the company is getting double or like i guess according to this triple triple penalized yeah they, they get they're gonna get fined again right because yeah. you're gonna get fined again because i'm like right. okay yeah like you already like your systems were compromised you paid a ransom but now you paid a ransom to somebody that is on the government's list so now you gotta now you gotta deal hit. with the regulators so it feels right. like you're damned if like they're getting it from both sides. Um, right. But yeah, like, yeah, for me, like, we already know, like, how, how devastating but, ransomware is. 
But wait, isn't wait. it another? Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go. No, I was just gonna ask. So, so you have you have that side of it, but also mm -hmm. isn't it another component to say wh why a company would secretly pay the ransom because they don't want other attackers to know? Okay, this company's paying. Let me, let me go uh, hit them up because they yep. they're paying. Well, that's, well, that's another the part. part. That's the part. My favorite to, to piggyback on what y'all both said is the capitulation. That's me. My family's favorite word. Shout out to those who know who knows. Anybody in law enforcement is going to use that capitulation, right? That capitulation is a willingly willing to work, but not let nobody know. I worked with this black man. The capitulation is a willing decision to say, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a victim of this double extortion. How do I just get like, I got to get this out the way. I can't let that be what, um, makes the ultimate decision. So I have to make a decision. That capitulation in, in that part is because there, it's a double and triple hit to the attack itself and what's being leveraged in the blackmail, right? Do I want that out there? So that's why it's kept secret because they it says, the article says they have to capitulate. There's nothing, there's, you're weighing against two uh, unfortunate circumstances and they have to make the decision to agree to pay the ransom. And that pressure to agree is not out there. Like you said, Tammy, mm -hmm. like that's the, that's the onus that I had to learn to. Again, I didn't know that that was all on the table, the capitulation included. When these, when these investigators show up, they have to now go and say, the company agreed to this. Why? Was it the blackmail? Was it the system restoration? Was it the revenue? What, what made you agree to this? And did you know who you were agreeing with? Like, I, you know, like most people don't know who they're agreeing with. No, they don't. They, they just like, want the data back. They just want the data back. And it's like, and yeah. also like this also reduces the reputational risk for them too. It's like, mm -hmm. if they quietly accept the ransom, then they don't really have to, like, it's almost like the, cause you know, the public is fickle when it comes to this Ooh. type of stuff. It's like, well, you know, they had a ransom, but they paid the, the ransom and they got the data back. Most people are mostly concerned with like, well, is my data okay? Is my money safe? Right. Is the information mm -hmm. that I entrusted to you? Okay. Um, but yeah, like, I'm glad that you, you mentioned about them agreeing <laughs> yeah. like yeah why did you do that yeah but sometimes it's easier it's like and i the way it is in these streets like many people have no idea how much a lot of these not even large companies but companies in general are fighting for their life every day not just every day but damn near every second constantly Around the clock, 24-7, they are constantly being hit with shit, right? Okay. And so that's why, like, I'm always going to say, right, a breach is never about if. Yeah, industry is saying that, too. The question is when, and then most of the time, you've already been breached. The question is, how long is it going to take for you to find it? Capitulation is, man is manipulation, too. So we, we see that manipulation there, too. That's another mm -hmm. one. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Joe. Joe so, sorry. No, no, you're good. Um, so yeah, so we're talking about the second one, uh, crypto crime. So uh, cyber cyber criminals seeking to cash in on cryptocurrency can perform various scams, include including uh, rug pulls, which is the abandonment of a crypto project without warning, uh, taking investor proceeds with them, uh, associated exit scams, and uh, pump and dump schemes. Um, so Cybersecurity Ventures predicts cryptocurrency crime will cost the world thirty billion dollars in twenty twenty five alone. That's nearly twice the $17.5 billion lost in 2021. And these figures are expected to grow by 15% annually. Can I jump in first? Yeah, okay, yeah, so let me, let me say this. It. Let me say this for all the people in the back. Just because we work in cybersecurity <laughs> don't mean that we don't get scammed too. Please, please don't, oh. don't think that. Please don't think like because we work in it every day or we have certifications, education, whatever, that we are somehow above being scammed because crypto dude i got my crypto stolen last year and it was really good it was like it was so good like like y'all can come for me in the comments right now i don't care because y'all you need to understand just how smart these people are so like i will not name the company but i had my crypto in a certain company and what happened was Somebody called me and it was like, yeah, so we see that somebody's trying to get into your account and we want to call and like reset your password. So me, a cybersecurity professional, is asking him 50,000 questions. So like, what's your name? Give me your number. What's your email address? Can you send me a confirmation of this? How do I know that this is Retina you? Scan. How do I know that I work for you? Like, wait a right. minute. Like, this feels different. Like, are you sure? Like, what is going on? Right? right. And so me thinking like, okay, I got this, man. I got this, right? But something in my back of my head is like, girl, 
sure are you sure and so what ended up happening is i don't know how they did it like no i actually do know how they did it um there was a breach from another company a few months like before and the company that i had my crypto with was involved in it and usually Mm. what happens for the people who don't know when there are large breaches that include companies with like tons of other people's data right what usually happens is it takes maybe two to three months before you'll start to see like scammers. You'll start to see phishing emails or getting phone calls or shady text messages, right? So this was right within that time frame. So this company had already been breached. I, for whatever reason, did not change my password. And so what I thought happened is like they got into my account, called me, made it seem like my account had already been breached. And what was happening is they were walking me through the process of resetting my password and bypassing all of the security, the security, the MFA, the multi-patch authentication. It was like, when I got off the phone, they took all my my crypto. And when I say, I was just like, I got got, I was like, damn, this was good. And I sent a strongly worded four page detailed document to the company saying, this is who it was, this is how they did it. Here's the phone number, here's I, I pulled IP addresses. I pulled my, my crypto, just like, I went off. I still didn't get my money back. Anyway, but all that to say is like, please understand, please understand, we are not like we are like we all about to get some of the smoke. So I I absolutely believe crypto crime like they are. They're too good. They're really good at it. So is that wow. the so that's the part I I resonate with too the sophistication <laughs> the sophistication and something you could tell me about Tammy I didn't know rug pulls and pump and dump schemes so let's take rug pulls first the abandonment of a crypto project without warning wouldn't that wouldn't that signal to the crypto company the um, what do they call it due diligence of that particular project if it just got up off the ground and and closed in three months. Or what? if it if it blew up to like I don't know, let's say the what is it uh uh uh, uh seventeen billion all of a sudden, and then it's gone. Like wouldn't well, wouldn't there be a due diligence there for the rug pull tactic to say what happened to that money? I mean, uh, yeah, but that usually doesn't happen until further down the road. If you notice, historically speaking, anytime you have these types of schemes, they don't find out until like usually way down the road, unless somebody is watching them. And this market isn't like we can't treat this this industry like it's the banks because it's not. The mm. whole idea of crypto was anti-establishment, right? Right. And so there's a lot of regulations that aren't related to this. That's why people can't easily spin spin up new like like you know altcoins easily right so it's like it's like the wild wild west out here so people can kind of do whatever the hell they want to for the time being but my guess is as like historically as it goes on as we start to add more regulations to it that time frame is gonna shrink but yeah like i agree with you they should be doing the due diligence but are they probably not that's why the risk is so high so lo- looking at the now the last one, as I mentioned, uh, the cyber attack surface. So the the world will store 200 zettabytes of data by 2025, according to cybersecurity ventures. Uh, so this includes data stored on private and public uh, IT infrastructures, on utility infrastructures, on private and public cloud data centers, on personal uh, computing devices. And that will include uh, PCs, laptops, tablets, uh, smartphones. And on IoT or Internet of Things uh, devices, uh, the Internet now viewed by some societies as necessary as access to uh, water and electricity continues to connect the globe. <laughs> Alfredo, you got something to say? I see you. Yeah, I see yeah. you. Keep going. Yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> All right. So I was. I'll, I'll share with you guys. I'll go first because I was uh, ten years ago. I didn't even know what a Zettabate file system was. I'm be real. Mm-hmm. I'm expose myself, put it out there for the audience. I worked in a particular industry where they schooled me to game. They put me onto game. What a zettabyte was, what a zettabyte has access to, and data. What we see here is critical infrastructure. Let's go back to that episode now, right? Mm-hmm. How much zettabytes store an entire critical infrastructure, and then what's coming after that zettabyte? The mythical being is a Yoda byte. Right. So I didn't know I, I could preach that to the choir <laughs> through the teeth because I didn't know 10 years ago a zettabyte exists, exabyte before that. What's coming because of the scale of this data is the mythical Yodabyte. 
whole city scale size data site sets. And we could preach to the choir and get some people from my, my track to tell you it's a pain in the grits to restore an entire site. <laughs> at a zettabyte. That was the that was the joke. Like, how do you restore a zettabyte worth of data? Two hundred right. of that. Like, how many sites is that? How much infrastructure is that to restore a lot, near real time, quote unquote, from an image, from a backup, from your particular cloud to mine, and then from your city to mine? Right. Mm. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about like just a small little VM. We're not talking about the big size cloud provider. We're talking about city scale now. Restoration. That's major. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm all for it. I've been I've been here. Like I said, I'm all for. I'm ready. I've been here for ten years waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned something new today. I don't know what the yes. hell is that about. Was I'm like, wait, that's what? It, that's what we're yeah, that's... here for. You know? I'm like, oh god, yeah, yeah. I mean, whew. like, yeah. It's like for me, that amount of data is like people don't like. This is a sidebar, but it's, I guess it's related because some people, they talk to me, it's like, well, I don't want to, there are certain apps they don't download. It's like, I don't want to share, I don't want them to share my data. I'm like, dude, you have, it's like, you have no idea how much data, like, so many companies have. Like, if you don't want to have, like, maybe you don't want to get, like, a Chick-fil-A app, but maybe, right, Google has your searches. (laughs) Oh, has right. your whole search history or yeah, maybe they have like, the whole... like yeah they have like it's <laughs> everywhere right but yeah like the like as the the internet of things expands and everything's connected like yeah this is i would love to probably read up on like theoretically what this could look like because like protecting that type of infrastructure like what the hell do you do you like ready how... you take well, it back up you build a My whole job site. is solidified. You restore like, it. This is an evergreen uh, industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. So, so, um, so, yeah. So, going on with, you know, so, uh, so many uh, small, uh, limited devices are connected to corporate networks in some fashion. Uh, uh, analysts are expecting six, 16.7 billion connected IoT endpoints to be active in uh, 2023, rising to over 29 billion by 2023 will have an almost unlimited attack service to exploit for purposes, including uh, data exfiltration, ransomware deployment, identity theft, and more. What do you let that sit in? This is the platform game yeah. right here. This is, this is why I get it. This is why I get my coffee in the morning. I'm like, yes, you, you mean to tell me unlimited attack service to exploit? What does that even mean? As far as a boss battle goes, Right. You know, like how do I tell? How do I convey that to my director, my director's director, senior director, uh, VP, CISO, and then back down to yeah, it's unlimited attack service. I didn't. I look. I didn't even. I'll be. I'll expose myself to ten years ago. You couldn't even tell me what an attack service was. Ten years ago, you couldn't tell me that it existed, and now that I have, I'm a part of it. Right, like that is um. That is very uh, scary and exciting at the same time, especially for the data exfiltration. I didn't, I didn't resonate to how much data is exposed, where it's going, and and the identity of death associated to it until a few years ago as well. So, uh, it it makes it way more complicated. It makes it way more personal for me as a cybersecurity professional as well. Yeah. Um. So looking at, and actually there was one. I guess one last one here. So as I guess factoring in the uh the geopolitical and uh, industrial risk factors. So, so cybercrime exists in a profound way on a global scale with almost every service we rely upon, uh government services, utilities, consumer goods and private enterprises connected to the internet and therefore at risk of disruption due to cyber attacks. So I mean j- just really just how we our daily operation like you know businesses um I mentioned like at, even at home when we talk about those IT devices and, and that continues to grow. You, you have like smart devices. You may have like um, uh, thermostats, ovens, coffee makers. Like they're all connected. Cars, to now. cars, yes. aircraft, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. water treatment plants. <laughs> so I mean, uh, it, so yeah. So I mean, just just mention all those things. It's 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 going to continue to grow, and of course it. With um, internet continue to be like I said, it's it's almost necessary as water, you know, at, at this point now because 
even you talking about even for schools, like I think even if you're looking at it for you know for kids, uh, you know, try and get a, a good education, they they need a good stable internet connection. Um, so so those are things you just can't um, disregard, um, or to say that's you can't even say it's a, necessarily say that's a luxury. It's 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 almost a necessity now in order for to to stay on pace with um with with whether your your peers really staying on pace with your peers i should say so yeah, it's we lost um, you there for a second tammy what we, we yeah, kept rocking. my computer my computer died for some reason so let's go all right we'll, we'll go. keep rocking sorry joseph no, uh, so yeah let's take it let's take it it's a, a little bit let's take it to a little further too because this is this is actually resonating with my heart a little bit too sorry for me Cyber attack surface is, is similar to what we with another term that I've heard a terminology called cyber threat landscape. Now that landscape is pronounced. We've just identified the threats. We just identified the global uh, issue, scale issue, right? The city scale, global scale. What mm-hmm. I what resonates with me too is that these criminals operate similar to, and we said this in another episode too, a managed service security provider that offers ransomware as a service to victimize that attack surface. Right. That's the threat. So I wanted to call that out because the threat is real and the threat is existing in sophistication, like you said, Tammy. But it also is co- has copious amounts of monetary investment on the adversary side. Right. They're not spending small change to offer this service. They're not even, um, let's say, a startup. Right. They're full fledged operations. They're full fledged criminals with the investment that they have in their company to now attack the landscape, to be a threat in the landscape. So I wanted some thought on that because that, that summarized the article for me and I, I'm, you know, I'm hip to it, right? I'm, I'm kind of aware of what, what, how the service providers work on the defensive side, but I wasn't mm-hmm. aware of the scale that these folks have emulated to attack organizations smaller than them, and even larger to some extent. <laughs> so, yeah, I will quote, um, Anthony Johnson, um, I'm saying his name so he can know, because I'm like, I always talk to people about this. I remember a few years ago, he was um, presenting at um, one of the summits that I was running. And the question that he posed is, what happens when, like, basically, our adversaries have the same resources, if not more than we do? Well, we could, jump, we could jump into that, too, with the next article, if you want. Uh, oh, really? Oh, okay. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, we can, yeah. we can segue into that, because I was like, I was uh, like... Yeah, let's brief the resources <laughs> first, because the reason uh-huh. why this platform exists is Joseph and I have existed on different sides of those resources, so we want to mm-hmm. harp on that, too, in the next uh, the upcoming article. Okay. All right. Got Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So for the second article that we, we're looking at here, so this one is titled "A New DOJ Unit Will Focus on Prosecuting Nation State Cybercrime." Uh, this is authored by Martin uh, Matishak. I hope I'm not messing that up. Uh, this was dated back uh, 20 June 2023. Um, I'll just start with a quick excerpt here. So, the United States Department of Justice is adding a new section to its National Security Division that will focus on prosecuting malicious foreign cyber activity. A, tar- a top uh, department official announced. Um, so the department seeks to take a more active role in combating uh, digital threats from outside the country. The entity will allow the division to uh, increase the scale and speed of dis- of our disruption campaigns and prosecutions of nation state cyber threats, as well as state sponsored cyber criminals. Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson, the division's uh, chief, said during an event at the Hoover Institution in Washington. The computer crime section in the part in the department's our criminal division will remain in place. The new national cyber, the new national security cyber section will both will boast prosecutors who are positioned to act quickly as soon as the FBI or an intelligence community partner identifies a a cyber enabled threat, and we will be in a position to support investigations and disruption. He added, knowing the effort is in its earliest stages, and I'll mm. stop there. And uh, get your thoughts on that. Well, go for yourself, friend. Yeah, I didn't know this existed. I'm be real. Uh, I say this every mm-hmm. day. Every day I get, pour my coffee. And shout out to the DLJ. I'm just be real. I'm a fanboy now because I didn't know um, national security. There was a national security division. I didn't know you can engage those folks. I was today years old when I could say I need a CSD to talk to those folks. Right now I'm the private sector guy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Also shout out to the fact that. They are already in place to prosecute. 
And we're going to get to that too. Like companies can't prosecute, right? Regardless of what we say today, public companies are not hacking back. They're not going out there sending folks to get their data back, yada, yada, yada. But the criminal division now has somebody aligned to national security interests. And my CSD should be aware of that. Like that's something that, again, wow. I, I, I didn't know that taxonomy existed. We'll touch on that. But now it, it tells me to step my game up, right? I got to be willing to sit down with these investigators and talk the talk because my data's out there. There's a victimology on my IP, my, my legal firm, and the people I serve, the people, the customers, right? So I didn't know that. I didn't know, you know, today years old, I learned something new about having a new national security uh, division stood up. No. No, I'm glad that you mentioned that a lot of companies aren't going after these criminals because legally they can't. can't. Mm -hmm. Now, please, like, do not get it twisted. (laughs) We would love to do that. Like, most of us in the industry is like, come on, like, please, just just one opportunity. Like, let me get our, like, we can get our lick back. Like, please understand, like, we could. Most companies could, but they can't legally. Like their hands are tied because I'm like, what happens? What happens if they find somebody? What if that somebody turns out to not be who they say they are, right? Mm. And then we're colluding, like, and like, what if they're like related to terrorism or like all like it's a, it's like legally it is not. It's a land like it's a minefield. They don't want to touch it. But the fact that now, like, right, the DOJ said we got you because me i'm like oh this is great because my main thing is like i'm always talking about how cybersecurity is everybody's problem it's not just the cybersecurity organizations within within companies it's everybody and this is a testament for them saying you know what we need somebody specifically in cybersecurity like in this particular area and all i see is like oh this is good because it's going to start the domino effect that more and more of the government entities are going to recognize we need somebody that's focused on the cyber shit and then those people can always be talking to each other and sharing intelligence so yeah i'm here for it because like yeah the doj has they got the they got the they got the they got the power behind them to say like hey we going after these people and now they have the resources to do it and I think they also said that they're going to be partnering with the FBI. Yeah, with yeah. Like, FBI oh. tell the part of the IC, right? So again, five years ago, you could have told me when I was in school, I had to learn what the IC was. I didn't know mm-hmm. what IC IC was. And shout out to Utica University. I will name drop them all day, every day. They put me on to what the IC was. Even 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 in my previous travels, I didn't know the operations at scale. Like you said, my favorite two, threat intelligence, didn't know what that was. Malware analysis, mm-hmm. didn't know what that was. So shout out to them as well, because five years ago, you could ask me what the IC was. And I'm like, we don't have that in our company. Mm. <laughs> right? So, what did you so, say? No, no, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> but I, I, so I just want to, I just want to put this out there. So, it, so the article does mention that it's in its early, in its, it's in its early stages right now as, because I've just talked about it, it is working with the FBI, but, um, but they kind of give an indication that this is, this is going to grow to, to something big. Um, and also if, if you have that collaboration, and, and I think that's always been something that always has been, um, I don't want to say vulnerability or maybe I'll say a weakness as far as when we're talking about like information sharing within, you know, the government entities. So, so having this and and I guess this initiative and them stating that this is, they're just getting started. um, Could, do you think, and I'll tell you, I'll go to you first. Like, do you think this is something that we could see maybe they're working with, with SISA or, or, you know, or even some of the other um, IC um, or members of the IC community um, in order to, as we're talking about combating cybercrime or have a, a stronger presence, be able to detect and respond to some of these cyber threats. Uh, what are your thoughts on yes. that? Jen? No, I absolutely agree because they're already like the conversations are being had, but from what I've seen, it's usually been like somebody who's former government, right? And they, right. they moved to the private sector. And so they have, they still have their <clears> connects. And, you know, like, yes, like the goal here, like this opens the door for more information sharing and not even more, but faster. 
Mm. Because that's like it increases that efficiency. Right. right. Cybercrime is always a time. It's a time box. Most of the time, you won't be able to get real time, like anything. And this kind of like opens that door to say, okay, let's kick down another door. It's like, here's one step closer to us being able to combat this in real time. Or as close to real time as humanly possible. Um, So, yes. Oh, there she is. Yeah, you, you got. I think they didn't want you to say what you was about to say, Tammy. I'll help you out. Oh, <laughs> you literally shit. paused, so I'll help you out. The the gateway in real time, I always used to say, is near real time, right? Dude? And, yes. I, and mm-hmm. if I get cut off, we know what it is, right? <laughs> Information sharing is not a real time assessment. It's not the millisecond assessment. It has to it has to land somewhere. Those cyber threats have to be contextualized. And I knew this. Yes. But a lot of the organizations don't have that modern resource to get it back to whether it be the government or another division that's been compromised. So, you know, yes. it, it's it's I hear what you're saying because that gateway doesn't exist. And we when we when I say we, you know, when you think the public versus private sector, private sector we doesn't have that capability. There's got you gotta build up that threat intelligence sharing capability, the platforms. It's like we see on the, the big data side and the machine learning side, it's more contextualized mm-hmm. to be sent in real time so it's not noise. I can send all yes. this stuff over to this agency and it'll just be relevant to me and mine, but it's not it's noise. And and it's your point too. Um, how do you say uh, if it's in this article, and my dad used to say this a lot, rest in peace, right? If it's in this article, it's already happening. <laughs> it's already happening. It's just a matter of Building that gateways from their NSD to a CSD in the company. If that mm-hmm. company doesn't yes. have the CSD, they're not in place to engage vice versa with these folks who are already in position, right? They're already in mm-hmm. position. A lot of the companies that they're supporting might have, well, and vice versa. Some some capabilities might be bigger than this division because it's this early, in its early stages, right? So the reverse happens too. The company could be sending a lot of data, a lot of information across the sector, and this division is just contextualizing it. Just getting to understand those threats in a sector, a uh, bank, a uh, car company, an uh, energy company. So, so that that resonated with me, and I'll, I'll piggyback off of what you said, Tammy. They have to collaborate. <laughs> they have to send it well, in real me, time. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, y'all, Alf- Alfredo just he just explained the difference between sharing data and sharing intelligence. Because right. the difference between those two is like intelligence, like can you can actually do something with it versus just kind of like, hey, something this thing is happening. It's like, well, we don't right. know who, what, right, who, what, where, when, why is this important to me? Um, right. So no, I completely, I completely agree with you, and I'm very curious to see. Like, I would, I, I'm excited for the first investigation, the one that's like the first one. There was like, hey, we just one is up. And this is what we were able to do. And this is who we found. And like seeing how fast they can, they can actually make some shit happen. I'm here for it. I'll be, look, I'll be on the lookout. Is that the, well, we'll come to that too. We're going to, we're going to try to transition to the preparation for the fight. Right. But is that okay. the take, is that the takedown prior to this? Cause, cause I hear it, you know, I keep, I read the tea leaves, like the industry says, when I hear a takedown, mm-hmm. is that the part that you're talking about? Cause again, you got to school me up as a private company, right? What we don't know what that looks like. We don't. We're not. We know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like usually, where it's like the takedown, but then also like the prosecution, right? It's it. like okay. I want to know if they can find who the hell is behind some of this stuff. Got it. Because that's mm. like attribution. Attribution for cyber crimes is just like. Mm-hmm. I've seen. It's this like movie. somebody did this. Do we know who? Right. We have some IP. We got some. We got some ideas. But most of the time, it's like unless it's like you know a state. Like this is like a state actor or you know a, a cry like a cyber crime or ATP that we actually know. Um, it could be tossed up in the air and we don't know. So I'm looking. I think yeah. So for this, what I'm really looking for is attribution. Yeah, that's the link. Like, I'm sure that they're. Yeah, like I think that that's like because because they're the DOJ, they're the DOJ. They should have the power to be able to find out who the hell this is, or be able to spin right. up the resources and say, "All right, we got this subpoena where we can go into these computers. We can like we can actually like we legally have the power to go after these people." So yeah, that's like I appreciate you asking for that clarifying question because yes, attribution is the is the main thing I'm looking for for here. We might have to do a separate episode on that, Doc uh, Joseph, uh, for real, because that's that's a big one for me too. I think um, 
if we can have somebody speak to that, it'd be great as well. But let's let's keep it going. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah. So just to kind of uh, wrap this up, I just want to share one last thing on this. So uh, just giving an example of uh, DOJ's uh, aggressive approach. Um, uh, working with the FBI. So uh, one example came about when they announced that they had disrupted a uh, sophisticated malware implant that was used by Russian hackers for nearly two decades. So, and what this is, so back in May, 2023, uh, the U S and international authorities revealed the successful dismantling of a malware implant. As I mentioned, been, been around for two decades by well-known Kremlin backed uh, hacking group. Uh, the justice, the justice department obtained court authorization on Monday. Again, this is uh, backdated, uh, enabling U.S. Uh, law enforcement to eliminate the malicious code named Snake, uh, utilized by the Turler Group, uh, long associated with the Russian uh, Federal Security Service, or FSB. The group's activities were traced to an F- FSB facility in uh, Ryazan, Russia. All right. So, uh, and then going to our last article here on uh, this one's titled, uh, the U.S. is less prepared to fight cybercrime than it could be. This is uh, the author's, this is a GAO article, uh, authors Marisol Cruz Kane, uh, the director of uh, GAO, and uh, Greta L. Goodwin. Uh, I guess they're both directors. That's <laughs> GAO, right, yeah, um, probably, yeah. Okay, so uh, just in a quick snippet here. So yeah, cyber crimes in the U- United States have resulted in hundreds of billions of dollars in losses and threaten public safety and economic security. The victims are widespread and include individuals, schools, businesses, utilities, and governments. Um, so we talk about like why cyber crime is difficult. Um, so so one one is uh, so cyber crime, including cyber cyber enabled crime, generally consists of criminal activities that target a computer or network for damage or infiltration or, or use the internet to conduct criminal activity. Cybercrime in the United States is increasing, resulting in billions of dollars in losses and threatening public safety. However, the United States lacks comprehensive cybercrime data and monitoring, leaving the country less prepared to combat cybercrime. Um, I'm going to stop right there. Uh, Tammy. Uh, I'm so glad this is a video. So they can see me and Al Al shaking our hands during the rush. It's like, like, this is the perfect segue. It was like, two decades. They just found it. That's my whole career. Jesus. That's my whole career. Like, look. Two decades. Two decades. And this ain't the company. This is the government, right? right? We are not. We are not as prepared as we could be at all. And so, yeah, like, I love the fact that this article uses cyber-enabled crime because, I don't know, maybe people find an industry about, like, well, is it really cyber-enabled? It's like, really? Unless somebody's, like, walking into a bank and grabbing money, most of the most of the crime that's going to be going on is going to be cyber-enabled. Like, well, mm, the ones that's going to cost the most money. I'm going to say that. Um... But yeah, it's hard. It's like, it's, these are people sitting behind computers and firewalls and VPNs and mm-hmm. all sorts of shit. And so right. being able to find that and then like the fact that it's like the U.S. lacks comprehensive cybercrime data and monitoring. Why? Because there's really no, like, okay, we have different standards and different frameworks that like, that say, hey, this is what a comprehensive cybersecurity program should look like but when it comes to crime it's just kind of like well it could be this or maybe that companies get to decide what they decide is crime they also get to decide like the risks that they take on and then the government says well we think it might be this but we're gonna leave it broad so you can kind of give it to us so it's like it's a lack of there is no standard there's nobody saying hey this is cyber crime this is what it looks like here's the information that you need to provide and here's one place where you can get it Right. And instead we got like three, four, five, 15 different organizations that sit within the, within the government, outside the government that's collecting different information and different data. And then like Vincent has a completely different definition of what cyber enabled crime means versus what other companies and the, the cyber industry mean. So it's kind of like, we have all of this information and all this data and have no centralized place to, to, to put it 
and then have like the right people analyze and say, all right, we got all of this data. Here is what, like, here's what we can do with it, right? From data mm-hmm. to intelligence, right? There's nobody making that transition um, or making those connections. And that's like, for me, my career, that's one of the big things that I've always thought is like, all of these different companies or within the companies or different groups need to come together and we need to talk. We need to share information so that way we have a clear understanding of what the threat landscape really is. Bingo. Because most of the time, you, we don't. I'll, I'll take it up from there. I don't know if anybody notices that I'm a heavy gamer. Right? I've said this on my beta episode. The jest in there is the FSB called, the operation was called Snake. Now, for people that go back 20 years, that's from a game called Metal Gear. Yes. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, Nate, the agent, right? The the adversarial team, the red team. Let's just say, because we, you know, where I'm going with this, Tammy, in a second. The red team was given that adversarial name. What I don't see here is the outer haven, right? If you know, if you follow my mantra here, Guns of the Patriots is my favorite game too. Shout out to anybody that knows and knows and plays video games. The monitoring of this data came out of an outer haven. Came out of an enclave that they set up. The, the beginning scenario in that game was they set up these operations, these virtual battlefields, right, to go out and do what in the later of the game, execute on, commence the operations, the mother bases is what they were called in the, in the, in the universe for those that know. For me, my entire career as well goes back to where I learned where a platform could be stood up, Outer Haven could be stood up in the adversaries realm, because I'm not, again, just a guy plays video games I, I didn't even know then that somebody would come out in re- today's real life and say this is snake that that when i read that article i'm like how huh? they, they talk about metal gear and then okay <laughs> to, to your point to your point this just being you know being full jest here the investigation and prosecution spanned four four series till we got to metal metal gear guns of the patriots to need the the operational mother base to need that collaboration, the shared threat intelligence, spin up other operations, cyber operations included, because we look familiar, Tammy. <laughs> and then teach me how to do that as the the guy going into this virtual VR mission, this virtual battle space, because I don't know how to do that as a cybersecurity professional. So it comes full circle for me because I the investigation, like I said, don't know. The prosecution, we could store that for specialists. <laughs> And the identification on my platforms, my cyber threat intelligence platforms, which Google me, OSINT gurus. I did, a dis- I did a paper on this for my academia, and I didn't know it was real five years ago. And I'm still not ready. Right? I'm still not ready to understand that definition of cybercrime and who's commencing it, who's doing it in all of these spaces. So, yeah, I, you know, that developing text taxonomy that the DOJ is giving me puts me on to, I need to learn that and be ready for the cybersecurity operations, right? I need to be ready for the threat intelligence sharing, the malware analysis, the DFIR, all of those subcomponents that come with the taxonomy and outer hate. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so I, it, wild. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Joseph. No, so yeah, so the uh, the federal agencies, um, some like FinCEN, IRS, ATF, DEA, um, all use uh, and more uh, use a variety of mechanisms to collect and report uh, data on cybercrime, including cyber-enabled crime. Uh, the nature mm-hmm. and use of these mechanisms generally depend on the mission and focus of the agency's identification, investigation, and uh, prosecution. Um, so federal, um, so those federal agencies identified. Uh, challenges in defining shared metrics, and and those uh, include measuring the extent and impact of cybercrime, agreeing on a definition of cybercrime, and coordinating among law enforcement agencies at various levels. And, and that really stuck out to me because I, I, even, Tammy, as you were uh, speaking on a little earlier, when you have all these different agencies and they have their own separate definition of what is what constitutes cybercrime or I feel that alone is a problem because one agency may say, you know, th- th- this is a big deal. Another one will be like, no, nah, not really. You know, so right. then, then, then you don't see action. You don't see the same uh, collective action being taken because they don't see it the same way and they don't define it the same way. I guess, right. I guess, Tammy, like, do, do, do you feel like, like even that just not even define, not having a collective uniform definition at its basic level if we don't even have that established, do you see that as a, as a problem? Yeah. I'm glad we had this conversation because I've 
I've thought about this. I've dealt with this within my career, but right now, as we're talking, I'm really kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm going in deeper because yes, right. In order for any team organization to be able to move forward, you have to have a mission, right? A vision, uh, a plan, right. a strategy, right. right? And if you don't even agree on what is <laughs> what is cybercrime and what isn't, what are you really doing? You just have like a whole bunch of people in the room yelling at each other that you don't understand me. Or like, or also, um, also, I just thought about this. You can't, how will we be able to determine what's important? Yeah, you can't if, prioritize. Like, I tell you that this right. is crime. If I tell you that this is crime, this is what I determine to crime, but my leadership is like, no, no, nah, we don't, we don't agree with that. Then that is, was like, I haven't even, I'm, I'm not able to start. So yeah, like, I would love to see a think tank or, you know, maybe write a white paper or something about like, what could that look like? Where would it sit? Who would be in charge? I, I fully believe it can't be somebody that's in, like that's deep in it. It has to be like somebody that is like outside enough to where they can provide like an unbiased, you know, analysis, but also close enough to where when they say something, they have the respect of, you know, the intelligence community community as a whole. But yeah, that is a that's. That's a huge problem because you can't even really solve the issue if you don't have a uniform definition of what what that means. And maybe if they even do it based on industry. Yeah, based on right? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that that would, that would be helpful. But because I'm like, you know, cybercrime for a bank may not be the same as, you know, credit card company. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I see it as being a, a, a big problem. But I mean... It seems like it can be easily solved. Yeah, I'll take it up from there. It can be. Um, the sophistic- we, can, we all are in agreement that the criminals know the crime and the sectors they're committing. These are they really do. Right? So that, to me, signals a sophistication on the average. It's like chess, right? I, you know, mm-hmm. I got to know how hard that person is going to go to defeat me, right? And the tactics, techniques, and procedures, industry taught me this too, that they're going to do the accomplishment. TTP, great shout out. <laughs> the, the internal, the internal sense of me as a strategist, as a tactician, says I need to be able to counter those moves, right? And yes. I love, I love the idea because we we know where this comes from, but I can't counter those moves if I don't know what a mission is. So a mission statement may not be directly aligned to a mission in a line of business. The the adversary has that organization already. They have that organization to know what their mission is and the statements and actions and TTPs they have to execute across sectors, right? So when you when you hit the sectors aspect or the company and sectors, we have the critical infrastructure sectors. We got an episode on that. We have the taxonomy. When I say we, the United States government, but what we don't have is the understanding of that tax, taxonomy in the private companies that are working in those sectors. So a lot of times mm-hmm. we have to stand up an internal cybersecurity division, uh, cyber threat intel platform, Outer Haven. That's my favorite thing. And then the means to share that information in real time to bolster the company's sophistication. That Some of them are called MSISACs. Check my paper. Some of them are called uh, uh, HSISACs. There are those capabilities, but not of, not of them are not talking, how do I say this, across sector on a unified platform or a unified leadership in the private sector that utilizes those tools and shared data sets and monitoring mechanisms. So for me mm-hmm. in academia, that was my problem statement and it's still not solved. And then that has to be bullshit because I didn't know what a mission was. I don't know. I didn't I had to get taught this, me reconnecting with Dr. Joseph as well. I don't have the exposure to that mission support or a mission clarity until mm-hmm. reading and doing the research and being in industry as long as I have been now to realize most companies don't have the mission of stopping these cyber criminals. Again, to rehart back on what we said. Now, if I'm deputized or if I'm enabled by these organizations to move my investment towards this national cybersecurity division, or even not even just investment, because I hate confusing it with the money too, the data. The data is the investment. We said that in the first article. The people and staffing is the investment as well. That's the call for you. I like mm-hmm. to keep talking about us doing the job. Right, we're gonna probably do another episode on that too, but that that line needs to be moved from my. It's just a monetary concern to it. It's a national security concern for both of us, all of us, right? So, and I'm not, I, you know, I'm not on the campaign trail. I'm not a politician. I'm just a technical dude, right? Like that needs to be like that needs to be understood in the organization standing up the CSDs, standing up the platforms 
paying for the platforms, mm -hmm. building them themselves. Some of these tools are open source too, right? You could build one of these in a, in a cluster in your in your basement behind you. <laughs> you know, so I, I just I just understand that um, the sophistication of the adversary is way ahead of the organizations that they're attacking, and they have to bolster up themselves to share with these uh, federal agencies and communities to practice. Um, so I'll leave it yeah. at that. Yeah. Now this this was a really great discussion. Um, I I enjoyed this. This was good. We we have to continue this. But um, 